As many of you know, and if you do not yet know, we have been reading this book together. Uh, or I've encouraged you to read this book. I've been reading this book for maybe five years. I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, copyright 2011. Maybe I've been reading it for longer than that. I don't think I discovered it uh, until maybe 2013. Uh, Breathing Underwater, the spirituality of the 12 steps. But um, I have found that I've read it now probably three different times, and each time found something new, found something important. But what I found most important about it is that taking the steps, that making the practices make a difference. That when we take seriously the life of faith and we do the kinds of practices that decenter our own egocentric view of the world, that we have the opportunity to grow and become the people God always imagined we might be. So let me read to you uh, what step 12 is, just so you know, at least from uh, the, the big book, um, from AA. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, so steps 1 through 11, we're on step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. To practice these principles in all of our affairs. So, on this journey of faith we're all on, practice is an uncomfortable word. I'll just tell you, being a person... Uh, I, I would really just like it to be a gift. I would just like God to open up the big magic bag of special tricks and drop it on my head. Uh, maybe not too heavy, but, you know, right on my head, have that awakening moment, really be there. And what I'm really discovering about my spiritual life is that God is calling me to a practice that every day I work. And as much as I work that practice, some days I'm really on. And some days, I'm really not. Uh, yesterday morning, Linda and Josh were gone from the house, so I was by myself because they had gone off to um, set up for the gala for uh, Lorton Community Action Center last night where they do an annual fundraising to uh, keep things going. So uh, they had gone for that, and uh, I was sitting around in my pajamas reading, and then I decided it was maybe time for me to take a walk, but first I went and took a shower before I took a walk, and then I took a walk, and I passed all these people, and normally when I've been out for a walk in the wintertime, nobody's out there, and so I had to see people, and you know, I, as much as I love people in general, I find that as I pass people who are on my path, it's like, well, why are you out walking? And who are you? And why did you bring that dog? And don't you realize there are rules about having your dog on a leash? Why are you letting your dog run around here? I mean, I've got this running commentary. I've got the still-stained, stinking thinking in my brain that I've always had. All the rules, all of the images, all the judgments that I want to make still rise. And if I am not attentive to my own spiritual journey, I just keep reliving the same reality every single day without ever getting deeper in this relationship with God. And God is so yearning for that relationship with me, that sense of connection. And I am so yearning for that with God. 
And still, in the midst of my practice, I see the same things rise up in me. Now, the difference between now and six years ago when I began centering prayer and be started to become aware of these things is, as they rose in me, I let them go. Now, as it turns out, the rule about, you know, we're in the city of Alexandria. In the city of Alexandria, there is a leash law. You cannot walk your dog without a leash. And there was this woman who was walking her dog without a leash. And every time I saw her, and I kept encountering her on my walk, I think it was an invitation for me to grow up. It was an invitation once again for me to grow up because every time I passed her, there was that little dog running by. She was throwing a, you know, a ball for him. He was running off. And, you know, he wasn't even retrieving the ball. He would run. He would look at the ball. He would stand there. And then the woman would catch up. So I'm like, lazy dog, lazy owner, nobody on the leash. What is going on here? All rising and letting go. Now, this is just to say, don't give up if you still have the same kinds of thoughts that keep coming up. I, I refuse to give up. And God refuses to give up on me. And the wonderful thing about this practice that I have now is I'm aware when it comes up. Five, ten years ago, that stuff comes up in me. I don't pay attention to my being stuck on the rules. I don't pay attention to the fact that what's really irritating her walking, you know, about walking the dog is, is not her at all. It's my own stuff. I don't care whether she puts her dog on the leash. As long as the dog doesn't bother me, why should it bother, why, you know, why should it bother me? You know, but I have this set of patterns. And that set of patterns reminds me I haven't arrived yet. And it's a good reminder. So if you're thinking you've arrived yet, I, I need some pointers. But if you haven't arrived yet and you think, oh, I just need to give up because these practices, I'm trying them, but they're not getting me there. Well, it, it could either be hopeful for you that your pastor can't do it, or maybe it feels hopeless. The boy practices them every day, and he can't seem to get there. How can it be that? Just keep working it. Just keep working it. You know, I realized, and one of the things that, I, the funny thing was, I was kind of thinking about the sermon a little bit as I was on the walk, probably a lot. And it was coming up, and I was just trying to be present in the moment and say, you know, I can think about the sermon later on. But it kept coming up. I'm powerless over this process of thinking that I got going on. I'm powerless over it because it keeps coming up. And then what's the second step? You know, you know, realized I, my life was unmanageable and perhaps I needed to hand it over to someone else bigger than me. And so each time that comes up, you know what that's an invitation for me to do? Is to pray and say, God, you know, I still don't have this together yet. As much as I'd like to have this together, I still don't have this together yet. All I can do is be aware of when the stuff rises and try to let it go. And when I let it go, let it go to you. So practice does not make perfect. But practice makes you aware. Practice makes you better. Practice keeps you alive and in the moment. I'm aware of all the things that are rising in me. The funny thing is, I'm also aware of the things that are rising in me when I'm preaching. I look out at all of you. I see your faces. So just so you know, when I look out at you, if you look like you're perplexed, 
And especially if a lot of you look perplexed, I'm like, okay, I'm on the wrong track. What's arising in me is the need to change the sermon. Let's just go to a new topic, right? In the, no, we, you know, let's go chase a squirrel and see if everybody comes back. Uh, but the truth is, if you become aware of the things that are coming up, instead of knee-jerk reactions to people, you start to be aware enough to either choose to respond or not to respond in a way that's in keeping with the faith that you have. Now this last one, this last step, invites us, first of all, to do the practices, because by doing the practices, it implies that at least the possibility of a spiritual awakening is there. At least the possibility. Now I need to tell you something. You can work all 12 steps all you want to in your life, and a spiritual awakening is not something that you've earned. It usually happens in the most surprising moment. The spiritual awakening happens when the 15th time you pass the stinking dog that is running by you, and the person is not on the leash, and you're, you have that spiritual moment when you say, you know, I still need to let go. I still need to let go because I, I need to trust you more. I need to know you're with me in these moments. I, I need to recognize these patterns in me because they're not about the dog, and they're not about the woman, and they don't need to draw a judgment out in me. They need to remind me that I haven't quite made it yet, that I'm not in this world sensing my absolute connection to everything. Because the truth is, we're all absolutely connected to each other and absolutely connected to God. And there's nobody you're not connected to. There's nobody you'll meet that doesn't have the image of God built into them. The second part of this intrigued me, that we made sure to share it with everybody, you know, with other addicts, if you will. Now, this is one of the things, places I have to tell you that I think the church really falls down really, really, really falls down is helping each other out when we trip and fall. We're quick to try to do our best. Now, at St. James, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. You don't, don't dress up and pretend to be somebody you're not on Sunday morning. Most of us are pretty much who we are most of the time, at least most of the time. Uh, we don't come here to put a face on. We recognize we've dropped the ball. But you know, one of the things that I see happening in the 12 Steps program, and somebody brought this to my attention, is those folks realize how badly they need the program. People who are addicts realize they need the program. Because if they don't work the program, they will fail. And even if they work the program, it's still possible that they will fail. Now, I think that one of the challenges for us as people of faith is we just think that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to work the program. I'm just going to expect forgiveness on the, next, uh, on the next step. You know, so I, I'm not going to worry about being aware of what's rising in me. I'm not going to worry about paying attention to those things. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness after I've said the stupid thing. Or I'm just going to ask forgiveness after I've made a judgment, a snap judgment about someone. Or after I've cut somebody off in traffic. Or after I've said unfortunate things when they cut me off in traffic. Or after I've said something inappropriate to my boss. Or to my, uh, to my uh, su person I supervise. Whatever it is, at that point we just ask for forgiveness and move on. 
as opposed to becoming aware. If the spiritual life is anything, it's about growing up. It's about growing up, waking up, and showing up. We start with cleaning up. All religion starts with cleaning up our lives. And that's what the 12 steps is about. We start by cleaning up. But if we never move beyond cleaning up, then we just have messy lives. We have to wake up to the reality there's something more. There's a way to treat other people with dignity and respect that's humanizing. There's a way to to treat this creation that we've been entrusted with as if it mattered to God because I see God showing up all the time out there. Like constantly. If you think that humanity is maybe the crown of creation, what about for the other 14.6 billion years before there were human beings? Was God just saying, I don't got anything to say. I'm not interested. I don't care. Or was for 14.6 billion years, God was like, wow, look at these things that are happening. You know, I can't wait till I have some human beings with consciousness that I can connect with. That will grow up, that will show up, that will wake up to the reality that I'm everywhere instead of just in me. See, that whole waking up, growing up, cleaning up, the whole nine yards is about reaching that place in our lives where we realize everything is not about me. It's not about me, it's not about what I want. You know, I'll be honest, every once in a while, James picks a song I, I, I don't care for. But I see your, fa- now, see, okay, see, poor James. Wait, once in a while, see, once in a while. But then I look out at your faces, you see, and you're engaged. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about what the Holy Spirit leads See, you have to let me finish my sentences, okay? Before you start jumping on me. Oh, what's he doing? He's calling out James. I'm not calling out James. I'm calling out James. I'm calling out not that James. See, there's three of us in the room. And then all of you are St. James, which just messes the whole thing up. I'm calling out this James. Because we'll start singing a song and I'll say, you know, I don't really think this has anything to do with my message today. What did James do picking this? Well, James relies on the Holy Spirit. And then I look out and I see you all engaged in your faces and the kind of glow about you, and I think, okay, that's why I picked it. Because it's not about what my personal preferences are. Do you realize how much we live in a consumer society where everything is about my personal preferences? You know, so I'm going to do everything based on what I want. And when I want to do it. And uh, yeah, there are some things I have to do, like show up at a certain time. But hey, if you're the pastor of St. James, you don't even have to show up at a certain time. You know, well, Sunday morning you should show up at a certain time. Tuesday evening you should show up by a certain time. Thursday evening when you're leading the Breathing Underwater small group, you should show up by a certain time. You know, if you promise that somebody you'll meet them, you should probably show up for a certain time. But otherwise... I just try to show up wherever I am and be there. Just try to show up and it's less of a scheduled thing. The truth about our lives is 
We are invited to be present wherever we are in that moment and put to practice the things we learn. And when people see those practices coming to fruit in our lives, that's the best form of evangelism that exists in the world. When the practices are coming to fruit in our lives, when people see that our lives are different, you know, St. Francis is quoted as saying, you know, at all times, preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. If the church had only taken that seriously over the years, because sometimes we are more about the words than we are about the practices. We tell people to love their neighbor while hating the people we're telling to love. <laughs> or, you know, we decide who are the neighbors we're going to love. Or we decide any number of things that aren't in keeping with the practices God calls us to. And mostly it's because we're just not aware of what's going on inside of us. If I'm paying attention, maybe God is teaching me something in the moment when we're singing a song that I don't know or that I wouldn't have chosen. Maybe that's a moment when God is teaching me patience or maybe when God is teaching me that God reveals God's self in surprising places, even in things I'm not expecting or don't anticipate. If every moment is a moment and an opportunity for us to learn to engage and to become the people God imagined us to be. And people see us doing that kind of thing. Then doesn't the world become a better place? Doesn't it become more God's place if I show up and bring God with me when I'm there? Doesn't it do the same when you show up and God shows up with you? when you're there, when you're practicing the 12 steps, when you pull up beside somebody, behind somebody and you're driving and they wave at you and you're like, who the heck is that waving at me? It's Leanne. Oh, it's Leanne's waving at me. What is she doing in front of me? She was going to school. That's where she was going. I was on my way back from uh, Safeway. So there we go. Now you all know. So... We don't know what's going to happen in the next moment for any of us. But if we get into the habit of practicing things like taking a breath before we say what comes to our mind first. How many times has the first thing that comes to your mind been something that maybe after you said it, maybe a good breath would have been the first thing that should have happened, not the words that came out your mouth. When has that been the case? If you're like me, you probably are thinking, maybe if he breathed a lot more in the middle of his sermon, it would work a lot better for all of us. The truth is, stopping, pausing, appreciating, being aware, being aware of our own stinking patterns of thinking allows us to make for a better world that makes people want to follow in the way of Jesus. That's what I want to do with my life, is make it so attractive to follow this Jesus guy that people who don't even think there is a God want to at least follow the way. And maybe if we practice, 
we'll all have a spiritual awakening. And then the next thing you know, it won't matter what we put on the survey, survey because the west end of Alexandria will just blow up in a loving way. Blow up with love, that kind of love. That kind of blow up. I'm hopeful. So step 12 is about taking serious everything that's happened in the last 11 weeks and in the last 11 years and in all of your life and realizing it keeps coming up in you and God's working it out so you can engage this moment but not on autopilot. Not on autopilot. So keep awake, keep aware, and plug in. Practice what you preach and preach what you practice. And maybe others will come to know the same thing you've come to know, which is that God really does love everybody.